Welcome to the For Fox Sake podcast, by the fans, for the fans. With all the news, views and discussion from two lifelong Leicester City supporters. It's your show, so get in contact, make yourselves heard, what's your opinion? The only Leicester City podcast that's by the fans, for the fans. This is for Fox's sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox's Sake. My name is Pete Selby and alongside me it's Mr. Rob Hayes. Hello Peter. How are you? I'm alright, thank you. How are you? I am excellent. We are not in Fox 8 HQ so if it sounds a little tinny, a little echoey then... Uh, Tough because it's going to be what it's like for the entire episode, but I think it'll be fine. I think it'll be alright. I think it'll be fine. Nobody really cares what it sounds like. They just want to know what what joys we're going to come out with next. Exactly. That's what we think. Anyway, that's what we hope. That's what we lead ourselves to believe. So, episode sixty nine of the podcast, and this has been recorded after Leicester drew one one at home against Bournemouth in the last game of the season. Now, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to have an end of season review. There's that bloke being punched by his uncle. If you haven't seen the uh, uncle who got in the ring to uh, for a uh, in a boxing match at the weekend, Ooh. yeah, and because his son got knocked out after the bell went, yeah, and he's on the run. That's a complete distraction. From yeah, we've got football. Sky Sports news on in the background. <laughs> but yeah, I was just telling Rob beforehand about this guy who got in the ring and he and he hit him and uh, he just showed it. Anyway, so this has been recorded after uh, the Bournemouth game. Now we are going to have an end of season review. Uh, show, but we're not going to do that right now, are you? We're not going to go for every single game uh, and have a look at the the best bits, the worst bits, and uh, some of our end of season awards, which are not the usual awards that you have at ceremonies and the such. Um, we're going to do that at a later date because um, we've not done a podcast for a while because you went on holiday. I was it's away. normally my fault, but this time it was yours. I just want to drop that in there, yes. so that the listeners know that it's entirely your fault. They, it is entirely my fault. Where did um, you go? I was in Whitby for the week and I missed the game at home against Tottenham. Oh, which, for you. Which possibly wasn't the worst thing to do. No. Um, but also, we are recording this now because you are going where? I'm going to. I'm flying to Stockholm uh, tomorrow morning. This has been recorded Monday afternoon, so Tuesday morning. I'm going to Stockholm for the Europa League final. Ooh. Providing the audio description commentary for UEFA. So... I'm going to say we loosely now, but uh, we are now tied in with UEFA. Loosely, yeah. Holy moly. Yeah, I'm doing the Champions League final as well in Cardiff. There you go. Just drop that one in. Yes, there you go. Let's hmm. see. It's all right for some, isn't it? There yeah, that's go. not bad. That's not bad. I've, I mean, Whitby sounds all right as well. It does, but it doesn't really... Well, it, 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 was, it was brilliant. A really good time. But um, the fact that you're doing the uh, Europa League final, then you're doing the FA Cup final, yep. and then you're doing the Champions League final. Yes. Splendid old stuff. So, what we'll do, we'll do the end of season review next week uh, when you get back, and I'm sure you'll reel us of, t- uh, you know, stories of Stockholm and, and the Wembley and this and the other. Yeah, tenor of pine. Uh, yes. Oh, no, hang on, was Stockholm, is it the same stadium that... Same Leicester... stadium where Leicester played Barca in August when I went out, yeah. So you've been there before then? Yeah, yeah. You've scoped it out. <laughs> scoped it out, and I know the places where it's uh, about seven quid a pint, not ten. Excellent. Not that I'll be drinking, because I'll be working, of course. Right. Um, so, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so basically, we'll, we'll just comment on a few games. Uh, the game away at Man City, crazy game, two one. Um, never in a million years was the first goal should it stand because it was offside. Um, 
and and then we were just unlucky, really, weren't we? I mean, the the penalty. The, the... Wait, let's talk about Shinji's goal first. Oh, great, great goal! Great goal! Good first time. I think what that shows to me is that Shinji Okazaki is a good centre forward as a number nine. Yeah, he's, you know in, I mean? he's instinctive, isn't he? He in is in the box. He's a good number nine. If you played him alongside a big man, he'll score you a fair share of goals when the ball's put on his on a plate, basically swing and volley. It. Job done. Yeah. He scored a lot of goals from in and around that area with good yes. first-time finishes. The fact that he doesn't play in that position for Leicester is because of the way that we play with Vardy, etc., yeah, as we all more, know. He's more important to our style of play than than his contribution to goal scoring. If you put him up front, he might score five, six more goals in a season than he has done in previous seasons for Leicester, but he wouldn't have the same impact. Absolutely, and I, don't, absolutely I, think right. they, I think those five or six goals would be less important than the work that he does in the line between their defence and midfield. But you could argue that he's been very ineffectual this season. You could argue that about everybody in a Leicester shirt. That's very true. Hell of a goal, <laughs> though. Really good goal. Um, but the, the, the problem is, and as we all know, and it's been discussed a few times, the referee. Now, um, first of all, I, I want to say to you, the, the penalty. We'll, we'll talk about the penalty. For me... For me, right, after seeing the penalty, and for me, it's seeing the reaction straight away of the Man City players. Because they knew, they knew straight away that he'd kicked the ball into his own foot. Yeah. Okay, they knew it was, a, it was a double tap penalty, if you want to call it that. So, I don't have a problem, really, with the referee not giving the goal because of the double tap penalty, okay? Because a lot of players saw it. It's not like the referee's gone... Look at that. I've seen that. No one else in the ground has. I've seen it. I'm being dead funny. A lot of their players appealed. The problem I've got is what a lot of people highlighted later was the fact that the goalkeeper was off his line, that there were two Man City players in the penalty area at the time. If you're going to be picky about one thing, you've got to be picky about everything. And for me, that was the disappointing aspect. What is the linesman doing? I have no idea. Why aren't they looking out for... People yeah. encroaching in the area. Linesmen should be looking at the keeper. Yep. Ref should be looking on the edge of the box. Yep. Why is anybody looking at how Marys actually takes the penalty? Because how rare is a double tap in comparison to Correct. encroachment and keepers coming off the line? So for me, it would have been a very easy thing for the linesman or the referee to turn around and go, yes, it was a double tap, but you're going to have another go because they're encroachment. And it wasn't like it was a, a, a half a yard or a foot. They were both in the penalty area quite clearly by a good yard or even more. So for me, I think the referee could have easily gone, look, you're going to have to take it again because you double-tapped it. But there's a number of reasons why you're going to have to take it again because two players in the area and the goalkeeper off his line. Being picky, in my opinion. He got the offside wrong. He should have realised that the goalkeeper's being impeded in terms of sights. And the fact that the player swung his boot towards the ball... Yeah, how is that not How is that active? not trying to interfere or being active with mm. play? Uh, so they were very unlucky, I think, against a Man City side who needed the points, and Leicester, of course, with tremendous problems at the back through injuries and uh, half a team really, obviously, drink water out in midfield. Three of what you would probably call, you know, the five key players, or at least two of the five key players in our team, who were missing. So that it was a good performance, and unfortunate that they didn't get anything from the game. And then we are on to Tottenham which was just a shower all round, really, literally. literally <laughs> a, a shower of what, Peter? Don't, well, it, don't say it, because well, I'll have to do the edit after. Yeah, but it, it, it was a shower all round, especially because it, it hammered it down with rain. Everything about the game 
was wrong. The conditions were dreadful, which played into the hands of Tottenham because let's just give it to them. What a fantastic performance. A really, oh, they're, they're a great team. A is, really good team. I don't like no, saying it. Tremendous players, uh, especially going forward. Son is a very, very underrated player. Um, not just his goals, but his all-round game. Deli Ali, we know the quality of him. Harry Kane, a real quality centre-forward. They're a very, very good team. And obviously, like I said, the conditions were poor, which played into their hands because they're technically, they've got better players. Um, they were completely motivated for the game to get a bit of retribution for last season. It was just all against Leicester and... It was it was very poor by Leicester, very very poor. I thought Shakespeare did well in by coming out afterwards and just saying it's not acceptable. And um, it was a shame that they scored straight after we made it two one when Chilwell um, got the goal back. After I thought he took too long to take a shot, but you know, yeah, but to, proves that Premier League footballer knows better than me. Two one after being outplayed for most of the game with half an hour to go, you think right, we're in with a chance here. But that last ten minutes, they did not stop. They there's not many teams in the country. In fact, actually, to be fair, I'll go as far as there's only this one team who would have gone on and beat Leicester six one. If it was three one at the end or with ten minutes to go, a lot of teams would have just shut the game down. And it would have finished 3-1, maybe 4. But to go and score 6, they just didn't stop. They wanted to score more and more and more. I know they've got um, Harry Kane was going for the golden boot, which ultimately proved correct because he scored 29 overall after they scored 7 against Hull at the weekend. Yeah, I don't feel quite so bad about conceding it. Not that we think that we're only one goal better than Hull. No, that's but, that's that's but true. Leicester kind of fell apart when they changed things about, didn't they? Look, yes, they, they were did. being outplayed, but they were in a system that was familiar to them, that had got them out of trouble, that had won the Premier League last season. So they were never they were never going to concede six in that system. No, but he had to go for it. We had no recognised centre backs on the pitch after sixty six minutes when Damari Gray came on. So there was always going to be a bit of a oh who's who's where three at the back job. It it, it could have gone either way. I, I think if you if if it had turned into us being an attacking onslaught and getting another goal back and making things interesting, you'd have gone, yeah, fair play to Shakespeare. That's that's ballsy. He's, he, he's not been afraid to change things when things haven't been working out, has he? And trying no. new things, this one just didn't work out. But they were punished by, probably, like you say, the only team in the Premier League that could punish you to that kind of level. Yeah, he changed it in the same way that he changed it against uh, Atletico Madrid um, by filling the midfield. But like you said, you've not got a centre-half on the field after 66 minutes. Any team's going to suffer when that happens, mm. took Vardy off to bring Musa on. And it was a, just a real mess towards the end. They were, I mean, the hot knife through butter gets used quite a lot, but it was ridiculous the amount of, um, the ease that they just went straight through the centre. And uh, and I felt sorry for Schmeichel, and it was just a, a day really to forget. And you wanted Leicester to get off to a good start against Bournemouth. There was the, because um, you weren't there on Sunday, were you? No, I was doing uh, non-league finals day at Wembley. I had the FA Vars and the FA Trophy. Oh, lovely. South Shields versus Cleethorpes, then York versus Macclesfield. Double bill. South Shields, that's Neil Medcalf's team. Or he follows them. Is it? Yeah. Our yeah. friend and colleague, Neil Medcalf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was also, there. co-manager of South Shields, Graham Fenton. Really? Yes. Captain of South Shields, Julio Arca. I knew that. I knew yeah. that he played at Wembley. I didn't know it was it was for them. That's yeah. right because it's obviously the North East, isn't he? Yeah, but he um, felt four 0 Yeah, I tried to wind Neil up because apparently the first goal was a penalty and it was a blatant penalty. Obvious. And yeah. I, I just kept on tweeting him, going, "Never, never," and he just didn't bite at all, um, which was a shame. But um, anyway, 
So you weren't there. I, I was there. And did, did the Burt's run? He did. All the way. I took a picture of him. I got there really early. He went down to the front and he was run, running around. He was stopping a lot, <laughs> talking to people. And I, So he didn't do the classic 50 laps? No, well, this is this is an hour and a half before kickoff. And I'm thinking, hang on, Birch. For a start, what are you doing? I thought you'd just be walking around, you know, talking to people, collecting money, not actually trying to run around. And I took a photo, had a quick quick word. And amazing. Amazing that it, it's he's... It's amazing that he's still there, but uh, do you know what I mean? He's mm. amazing that yeah. he's he's actually not just set up the thirty seventh run, and I th- I hope that this just carries on for years and years and years, way past Birch's time. You know, you're talking decades to come, and named that, after him. Yeah, still. but Alan Birchnell's charity run. It, it's what's happened every year for thirty seven years. It's what part of our club, and um, but I'm amazed he was doing it, and uh, so so that went ahead, which was great. It was a lovely day, and you know when the teams came out. There were, Big footballs being passed around the ground. End of the season celebration, you know. Did everyone get a free beer and a free program? You got Is that a right? free beer, you got a free pie, and you got a free program. The program's excellent, by the way. I've got you one actually. I need one oh, uh, from the thing. Thanks, uh, thanks. Not need one. I was given one. Um, didn't steal it. I didn't. I was given it. To be honest, was that by the nice lady on the media desk? Uh, no, actually, it was by Wendy, who I know, who lets me in to do a shortcut down to where we do the radios. Now. Oh yeah, on your on your secret passageways <laughs> through the my King se- Power, my secret passageway <laughs> through the King Power, which is not, it's got me through the King Power for the last nine years or so. It's a great shortcut, but anyway, um, yeah. So I've got one of them. It's a four pound souvenir edition, and it's really good. And um, it's a very interesting uh, interview there with with Vishai and with Top, and uh, it, they did mention one thing regarding. You know, um, big projects. They say some really big, uh, major projects to do with the club that they're going to announce, some you know, soonish. I've heard a rumor about the ground. Mm. What's that? About the Leicester City acquiring a substantial amount of ground right next to the King Power, and having planning permission to build an entirely new stadium there. Really? Yeah. <laughs> he told me that before. Really? Yeah. I just sort of dropped that one in there. What? Who? Or is it an unnamed source? It's it's an unnamed source, but it's, it's, it might it might not have any backing whatsoever. But, but who is is the source a reputable source? The source is somebody that I would trust very much. So yeah. Oh, there you go. This but is it breaking news. What, depends what their source is. Right. Okay. Well, that's interesting. There you go. That could. Okay. Now I I put this to you, Rob Hayes. Yes. Right. You've got. Three options. Mm-hmm. Again, and again, listeners to for Fox 8, you know that we just sit here and ramble on. So this is, obviously, I didn't know about that. You can tell by my reaction. The three options to you, Rob Hayes. Yes. A, you stay at the King Power Stadium as it is, job done. Okay. B, you expand the King Power Stadium to about 40,000 by adding the tier on to the south, north and east stand. Yep. Very easy. Just add another little few rows to make it up to about 40,000 job done. Mm. Or you knock the King Power Stadium down and build a brand new 40-ish thousand stadium. Well, I should say that the King Power Stadium is allegedly semi-collapsible. Yes. In, in that it can be taken down and rebuilt somewhere else with relative ease. I don't know how easy that is with the 32,500 seats. Well, the stadium. whole ground. Large sections of it. So you wouldn't have to start from the start. So you'd have to lay the foundations on the new site. Yeah. But bulks of it could be picked up, moved. It's kind of like a, a shell, if you like. Is that, that because we can't hold um, concerts in that? 
It was when it was built originally. You could not hold concerts because it wasn't reinforced in a way where they could safely hold concerts. Possibly now they spent a few quid by reinforcing that. Yeah, um, and they got the certificate, which means they can Allah what Kasabian did. Well, I th- I think option A is is ruled out for me. I think it's I think it's time to to grow again. I think we've proved that there's the demand there. You're not going But option A means that more money will be ploughed into the playing side. I don't think money's an issue. I really I don't I don't think it's a good, an- it's a good, it's a good answer. I, don't think I like the answer. I, I like don't it. think it's here's X amount of money. You can either spend half of it on the stadium and half of it on the players or all of it on the players and keep the same stadium. I think it's stadium's gonna cost us this much, we'll pay that much. Player pop stays the same, we'll pay that much. Right, so we're ruling out stay at the um, King Power remains. Yeah. So you've got the two options. You've got add another. Um, that was your laptop making that whining noise, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. I heard that through the headphones. So if you heard that at home, then it was his laptop. It's not a plane taking off. No. Um, basically, you. So you're saying you've got two options: expand the King Power, and you know I quite like. The, I think now the King Power for me, and I've thought this for a couple of years, but it's now, it's not a new stadium. No, it, it's, it's, it's it the is, home it is, of Leicester. It is football. the home of Leicester. It's I like the I like the name King Power. Weirdly, you know, um, I like the way it is, the way it's done compared to the likes of Derby and Middlesbrough and other grounds in that ilk. I think ours is far superior. Also, it is a historic ground now because it's where we won the Premier League. Yeah, it's also we've won the Championship there. We've won League One. You know, the King Power is as much part, in my opinion, of Leicester. Than Filbert Street was. Yeah. Now you would, how you would not get many people saying that at all. In fact, you'd probably get hardly anyone saying that up to two or three years ago. Filbert Streets and I had season ticket there for years and years. It was what a what a superb ground and everyone loved Filbert Streets, even though it was a dump in many many places. But it was our ground. We love it. But for me, the King Power was very soulless when we first moved. Now it's completely the opposite. It's our ground. It is Leicester. So I'm saying, are you going to get rid of that? No. By moving to uh, and, and moving to a new ground. Well, I think it would literally be over the road, but I no. It, I mean, it depends what's most feasible. Yeah. If it's going to take an age and put some seats out of action for a certain period of time and just be an all-round faff that to put some extra roads on the current stadium and it's going to be easier just to move it then move it but I can't see how it would be so I'm going for option B oh you're going for B then so you're saying just expand the king power yeah do you know what I'm going to do are you going to go for C of course I am you've just said that the I king know. power's got loads of history what's wrong with you I know but you've what... just led yourself into giving nothing but option B not at all my reasoning is is because in that period of time that we've been at the king power what 15 years 15 to 16, slash 16 yeah, years, yeah. something along those lines. The club was reborn from administration. We had a number of years of literally the worst football that the club's pretty much played ever. Yeah, it was pretty Then bad. we've won three leagues in the space of, what, seven years or so, seven mm-hmm. or eight years. Mm-hmm. And it finished with us playing in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. What a way to end. In theory, that 15 years, a tremendous, a unbelievable 15 years of the club, to say that was the King Power era, that was that stadium. Now, 
we're going to move into a brand new 40,000 ground. We're all singing or dancing. It'd still be called the King Power, though. Yes, I know, but it'd be and, a brand new ground. literally, like, you could walk there in 30 seconds. Yes, but for me, it would be di- it would be a different era. This would be saying, right, we've, the, the club has grown so much, we are now trying to be one of the big boys. That's what, to me, if that, you know, let's just say it happens, for, for example, that, for me, means that the owners are so, so confident about being one of the established Premier League clubs in the next decade plus that if they if they want to build a brand new ground makes a statement doesn't it it makes a hell of a statement it makes a hell of a statement but there we go that's the way that's the way things are isn't it um yeah that's interesting we were going to talk about the ground i think we've covered it there but uh, but there we go anyway what we're talking about bournemouth yeah that happened yeah it did they, it, they honestly Leicester. i've heard a few people talk about the game I ain't being funny. Leicester were dreadful, I thought, for an hour. An hour. Um, I, I thought we were slow. I thought Slimani was poor first half. I thought Ndidi was poor first half. I thought uh, many players underperformed. And, and they were very good. They were very confident, Bournemouth. They were very good uh, on the ball. They passed the ball an awful lot, maybe too much in places. They deserved their goal early on, which really was a sucker punch, especially after Thursday night. But... I was impressed with Adam Smith down one side. I didn't know whether it was a fullback or a winger. He was all over the place. Brilliant. And we struggled. And then after an hour, we got into the game. Slomani had a much better second half. Linked up well with Mares. We scored the goal. Um, we were unlucky not to get the second because Vardy wasn't offside. And that goal ultimately cost us a number of places in the league and a yeah. few quid. A few million quid. A few million quid. And it was a shame we didn't go out on a win. Mm. But overall, a draw you could argue was possibly about right. Although I thought we had the best chances to win. It's strange in a game where I thought they dominated for an hour. And then we really did dominate the last half an hour. We did. Yeah, Slomani's header back across goal just the wrong side of the post, was it? Yeah, I thought it was in. I mean, it was the opposite side of the ground. So we couldn't quite see that it was going to bend in. But... It looked I was waiting for the net to bulge and it and it didn't and it's um it's a shame really for for Slimani but it's uh, it was an interesting game and again at the end of the game Vasilevsky who didn't get on now the one thing I'll talk about Vasilevsky a lot of people have criticised Shakespeare for not bringing him on at the end because... he went out and warmed up in the 89th minute Shakespeare had made two of his three substitutions the game. In yes, it means something in terms of what position you finish in the Premier League, but ultimately it didn't really mean anything. The last game of the season for Leicester fans is always a celebration. Should he have gone on the pitch? No. Fair enough. What do you think? Uh, I'm. I can see both sides of the argument. I think the uh, the stuff that they did after the game for him was was. Enough, maybe possibly even too much for. I uh, this, this is my argument. I completely agree. Only, I say only loyalty is a uh, difficult thing in football these days. But he's been at the club what four years, didn't make an awful amount of appearances. Most of the players are saying, yeah, he's one of the best pros they've ever worked with, and he's the kind of character that endears himself to the fans. But he's not exactly a club legend, is he? No. What I think is. I think there's been a bit of an overreaction to, from fans saying that they should have brought him on. No, it's a game of football. Um, and we'll come on to what I think about another game. But um, they should... Let me Chelsea by any, oh, by any chance. Right. I mean, that, what a mess. They, they, when I saw it, he got substituted after 26 minutes. I was like, oh, he's, he's obviously injured. 
And then all of a sudden it was like, hang on, no. Number 26. And, and it was his decision. What an he egotistical asked, maniac. Conte. The vainest person you're going to... It's all about him. A lot of people won some money on betting that he could be subbed off in the 26th minute. He's probably well. told them all. You know, he's got a tremendous gambling habit. But um, he's... That what a terrible man. And for him to say, oh yeah, I want to do this, but I want to do that. But that's 22 years at a football club. Having captained them for God knows how many of them. Yeah, play the entire game, get substituted after 89 minutes, walk off the pitch to a round of applause, job done. You're going to do a speech at the end of the game, don't get substituted after but, 26 minutes. But if that I way, was a club, he's they... having less of a negative impact on the game because he's clearly not good enough anymore because Conte hasn't started him in most of the games this season. If that I way was, he's only playing a quarter of the game. If I was Paul Clement at Swansea or if I was Eddie Howe at Bournemouth, I'd be looking at that going, do we want to sign that player? What I would have liked to have seen is him play 89 minutes, play well. He couldn't play 89 minutes. No, but I would have, no, but if you're going to try and sign him, you want him to be able to do that. I want to see him play as long as he can, play well, and then walk off the pitch to a standing ovation. He's not going to not play anywhere else around. in England, is he? No, not turn around and say, by the way, I'm only going to play 26 minutes. I'm not going to sign that player next season. I don't think he'll play for anybody else in England. I think there'll be a lot of, a lot of clubs want him. He'll go and, he's got to go and cash in somewhere like China or America. Yeah, but... Um, but with Vasilevsky, the one reason that I I disagree with a lot of people saying that um, he shouldn't have come on is because it was 1-1, the game was in the balance, and it, we all know that he's not you know, he's not a Premier League player anymore. So Leicester are winning 3-1, do you bring him on? That's a completely different argument, yeah. Well, that's my question. Yeah, OK, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. But also, Shakespeare would have known that at the end of the game they've got the video package all sorted. I thought it was very nice. I thought it showed the respect of the, the his fellow players towards Vasilevsky. He was obviously a very important member of the squad in terms of training, in terms of professionalism and all that. He's obviously good friends with a lot of them. And I thought it showed... I thought it was quite classy. I, thought, I liked it because it wasn't over the top. It was, it was nice. And also... It showed their respect for Vasilevsky. If a player gets sold in the summer, let's say Mares goes for forty million. Now, obviously, he should have had more of a send off, but that's a transfer to go and further his career or go somewhere else. Um, he, Vasilevsky, is obviously going to either retire or play a lower league, Polish league, or, or wherever. But for me, it was nice, and there was no need to have him on the pitch just for a few minutes because he was going to get all that anyway. So that's that was my my point with him. Um, and then it ended one one, and there was the thing I liked about it. There was lots of people stayed. I heard one comment, or I read one comment, whether it was a retweet to something we put out. Um, but one person said that everyone who stayed, you, if you looked at the attendance for when the players were doing the lap of honour and the owners did a lap of honour and all that sort of thing, or a lap of appreciation as they call it, because it's thanking the fans, mm -hmm. they said that the amount of supporters in there was probably about the amount who went when they're in League One. Yeah, i.e. the hardcore. Now I'm not I, saying i.e. the proper fans. Well, that's it. That's their words. I'm not saying if you went, then you're not a proper fan at all because people have got travel arrangements and try and get home. And also, if you spent money going all around Europe, then you've done your part. Or if you've spent money on a ticket, you've done your part. You don't have to stay. But I like the fact that when they were doing their lap of appreciation and all that sort of thing, there must have been. If you take off the three thousand uh, fans from Bournemouth, there must have been at least. There was still over 20,000 in the ground. 20,000 plus. It's good. I, I it's like good. that. I think mm. that's very good. So well done to everyone who stayed. If you didn't stay, not a problem. So don't... 
Don't tweet and go. Don't start going around saying, for fuck's sake, said I'm not a real for, fan. Yeah, I'm not a proper fan, according to you. One of the for fuck's sake lads wasn't even there. We were in the poor ball. I had to go home because I got to work in the morning. I know, and I'm not saying that, but it was nice to see so many people there. Yeah, and it was nice not to end the season on defeat as well. Oh, God, yes, yeah. Yes, it's a draw against Bournemouth, but it's it, you don't feel any negativity towards the end of the season, I don't think. Definitely. Okay, so the 1-1 draw against Bournemouth highlighted the problems that we got at the back as well because there was a time during the game, again, where we didn't really have a recognised centre-back on the pitch. In fact, we didn't have one on for over half an hour in a Premier League football match. Um, yes, all right, Daniel Amati played there in the African Cup of Nations. <laughs> he's clearly trusted... That, uh, no, he's not. No. Um, so right now, in this position, we do need one thing sorted. First of all, it's Shakespeare. Now, we both want Shakespeare to be the manager. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, if he's not going to be given the manager, you want it to be a big name who's going to come in and completely change things around. Or do you want someone to come in and just keep things as they are? Ooh, it's a difficult one. They've either got to do a complete overhaul or stick the way things are. Little tweaks. I'm, I'm not, because Ranieri tried little tweaks to his own system and couldn't find a way to make it work. I'm calling it the Mancini effect. Not saying he's going to be the guy, but you're talking someone along them lines. Someone where... comes in with brand new ideas. For, for me, it's give it Shakespeare, which is my first choice by far. Keep things as they are and then add players and go from there. The second option for me has to be bring in a big name manager. Okay. And if so, that means things are changing. That means maybe the style of play. That means obviously the backroom stuff, because to be honest, you wouldn't expect Shakespeare to stick around. I don't think so. No. So there'll be a bit of a, a sea change. But for me, that has to be a big name who's going to bring in big, big players. Brings a risk with it, though, that. Oh, it does. It does. Because if you're saying that the owners can see uh, a solid 10-year... Uh, plan that involves Leicester being regulars in the Premier League or even towards the top half of the Premier League to bring in a big name who's going to change everything up when we've got a squad and a setup that is proven to be very competitive in the Premier League. It's a risk. It is a risk, but I suppose you've got the risk reward factor with it because if you think that the owners want to stay in the Premier League because they might have some big projects in the very near future, then you would have to say that having um, Craig Shakespeare as manager and the addition of a few players, Leicester would more than likely be okay next season. Around about 12th, even slightly lower in the league, you never know. But you, you'd think that's more of a safer option than completely changing things around with a new manager hmm. in terms of Premier League safety. But you do also have to strike while the iron's hot. And if certain big-name managers want to come to the club right now and say, look, come and get me now, or else I'm going somewhere else, you might need to just say, right, okay, I'll have that. I'll have you. You can come over and thank Shakespeare. You've done your job, but we're going in this direction. So for us, it's secure Shakespeare, and they need to bring players in. Now, we can you know, we can list players to our heart's content of who we want to come in. Every football fan does that. If a player is linked with a club, you instantly go, yes or no, or mm, and yeah, maybe. But for me, they need to bring in a number of players. I think the squad's on a knife edge. I really do. Yeah, we've got 
a lack of strength in depth in many areas. If you, if you look at central midfield, where one injury and and you're struggling there, we had to start Amati and Ndidi against Spurs, which is not ideal considering Amati is doesn't really seem to be trusted to play anywhere as the first choice. And Didi's only 20. Missing drink water. King's barely a Premier League player. We've got the well-documented problems at centre-back. We've not had a reserve right-back all season, really. In, and that's probably since Hernandez g- went. Probably going to lose players up front, the likes of Ujoa. Um, we've only got three wingers. I mean, we could go through each player individually and say what's what, but... You, Players who might leave the club, you're going to have a look at them from forwards down. You're looking at a Joe will probably go. Yeah. Okay. I think you have to put a question mark next to Okazaki. Why? Um, I think if a player, if a team comes in for him because of being quite ineffective this year, I think you do have to put a question mark. I'm not saying I want him to go. I but... think it depends who's in charge, which which relates me to the point you just made about it needs to be a swift decision. Yeah. Managerial wise. You need I we agree. need to know if Shakespeare's in charge, therefore what style of play he wants, what transfer targets he wants, who he wants to keep in the squad, who he wants to let go. If it's not going to be him, you need to bring in the new manager sharpish so that the recruitment and the observation and the scouting can start. Obviously the club scouting team will have um targets and documents on, on a lot of players. But this manager might come in and say, right, we need to strengthen here, strengthen here with this kind of player. That that decision needs to come first. It, it, it does, it does. I think if Shakespeare stays, Okazaki stays. I I probably would agree with that, but I still think there is a question mark with him. Musa can go. There has to be a, uh, Musa can go. Uh, there has to be a question mark over Slimani, yep. purely for the fact if China come knocking again. Yeah. Would you sell if China came knocking for anything 25 or above? It's a, it's a tough one because you've seen in quite rare, but you've seen glimpses of his ability and the seven reason... seven goals in thirteen starts. There you go. There's Stato. There's there, there's something there. There has to have been because of his goal scoring record in Europe, because of his the transfer fee that he commanded. If they come in um, and offer somewhere near what we paid for him, if not more. You're more tempted to take it, I think. I would be. I mean, I'm a, I'm, I'm a fan. I'd, but I'd also like to see what he could do if he started him up front for ten games straight. I would be. I, I, I think he's an interesting player who has got goals in him, as we've, as we've just said, seven in thirteen. Um, you can tell he's scored goals at a, at a decent level, and he's a decent player. The negatives around him, we all know. But for me, if someone comes in with twenty-five or above, and you were talking forty million, that was the rumor. I would have to say, look, I'd sell with the looking of reinvest. Yeah, you know, that's that for me. And we're going to take a hit on Musa. Let's be perfectly honest. Yeah, we probably would do, but um, I still think because of his age, he'd command a fee of around ten million or so. But oh yeah, we'll get a decent sum for him. Yeah. But he was a former record signing. You've got midfielders such as James and Lawrence coming back into the team. Harvey Barnes as well. Um, be None of those three will feature in the Premier League next season. I, to, I fear, to any degree. I fear for James. James will go. And he's, I, he's a Championship footballer. I think. I, I think. I think he played I well. He played well alongside Cambiasso in the Great Escape season. Yeah, I, Cambiasso dragged every single player to play twenty five percent better than they ever dreamed possible. I know he's played every game for um, Barnsley. Barnsley. He's, he's not missed a training session and all that sort of thing. 
but this is a bit different. I fear for James. Um, I would like... I don't um, think he's any better than Andy King. No, I, I would like um, Lawrence to be given a go in the squad. I don't think there's any advantage or bonus in selling him. Okay, you might make a couple of million quid. Yeah, but it's not but, worth it financially. No, so I, for me, keep him in the squad. But does he represent uh, a better option than Gray or Kapushka? Well, Kapushka at the moment, probably. But for me, uh, you'd keep him in the squad and see what he does. You never know. This time next year, we could be sitting here going, I can't believe, player of the season, <laughs> Tom Lawrence. Mm-hmm. We, were, we were possibly doubting him last year. Well, Maris took a little while and looked to have... Uh, the sort of similar negatives that I'd say about Tom Lawrence and that he's fairly lightweight didn't seem to have a lot of explosiveness. Good feet, good, very good technically, but didn't seem that explosive. But look how far Maris has come in such a short exactly. period of time. You never know with the likes of someone like Tom Lawrence. Lawrence so, could turn into Gareth Bale. Look how bad Gareth. Well, I say, <laughs> look how average Gareth Bale was till he was twenty-two-ish. Exactly. So for me, you'd have him in the squad. Kaputska's obviously question marks. Mendy, there's question marks surrounding. Generally, his his his. His fitness. fitness. Like you just he's, don't know. He's not been fit enough to show how good he is. People who are saying he lacks ability, I, I don't think you've got enough to base that on. I think with, obviously, Mares and Schmeichel, you have to put question marks because people might come in and buy them. Their decision, I think, for both of them. I do, and I think... I think Mares will go. I think Mares will go. I'd like to think that Schmeichel will stay. However, his loyalty to the club has been unquestioned in... Uh, through the many periods of success that you said that has happened at the King Power Stadium in the last seven, eight years, his his character in the dressing room is is unquestioned. If he want, if he gets plucked by a top four club and said you're going to be my number one, you, you could not stand in his way. Yeah, and he's reached the age now where he's got that big move in him, and also. He's done it all at Leicester. We're in trouble if he goes, mate. That leaves a question mark with Zeela. Um He's not good enough, in my opinion, to be um, a first-choice goalkeeper. Now, if Schmeichel did go, we are in a, a situation at the moment where there are a number of top keepers around. You've got the likes of Butland. You've got Pickford. You've got Joe Hart, obviously, could be an option. There's many decent reserve goalkeepers around the Premier League. Oh, you look at Spurs, I've got Michelle Vorm, who's a good goalkeeper. There's a lot of decent goalkeepers around. So if he does go, I wouldn't say it'd be the not, the not the worst thing ever, but there are options out there. It's just about whether they're attainable, though. I would obviously not want him to go in the slightest. No, um, and, and if Schmeichel goes, any goalkeeper that Leicester bid for... His price is going to be inflated. Do you know why um, Mares is going to go? Go on. Because he wasn't in the new kit launch photos. Yeah, he was. Mares. I saw him in one on Instagram. Was he? Yeah. Didn't look very happy about it. <laughs> on on the main advertising for on, the shirts. Well, not on that, but on Leicester City's Instagram, there's a picture of Rio Mares looking fairly grumpy in the new shirt, and someone's put a comment on saying uh, in quotation marks something like. The club told me I had to put this on. I think they every single player would have, but in the main advertising, yeah, he, he was not there, which for me speaks a little bit of oil. You might be looking into that going completely wrong. No, I think story. no, I think you, you're right. They're either not putting him up there because they don't want to spend a load of money on uh, marketing products that might have an out of date player in, or they know for sure that he's going. Here's a question for you. Oh, go on. I like a question. Riyad Mahrez. Yep. Okay. You can sell him. For 30 million quid, yep. or you can keep him. Sell him for 30 million quid? Yep. Yeah. Why? 
I just, I just don't think he is in the right place mentally to play for Leicester City anymore. I think he was a massive, massive contributing factor into us winning the Premier League. He stepped it back up to the level that he can achieve in the Champions League this season. But whether whether it's the case or not, hasn't really looked like he gives a toss in the Premier League this season. And regardless of how good you are, I don't think fans want to see players like that wearing the blue of Leicester. Well, there you go. I, I, I do agree as well. I would sell him... Which sounds ridiculous, but I would want forty Is million. That, uh, former PFA Player of the Year, Riyad Mahrez. That's former PFA Player of the Year, Riyad Mahrez. And if he goes, and it doesn't matter who he goes to, in my opinion, fair play to him. And I want forty million quid for him, or at least that. Uh, I, I'm one of the defenders of Mahrez. Always has been, always will be. And I think he's played better than a lot of people are given credit for. He hasn't been the ten out of ten player of last season, and he was undoubtedly ten out of ten. He's been, in my opinion, a seven. Really, I would say seven mm. because a lot of people would say four because he's not been reaching the heights of a ten like last year. But in his own right, if you took, if you sat someone down for the first time and said this is Leicester this season, they would turn to Mahrez and go, "Oh, he's got a really, he's got a lot of skill. He doesn't either put it all in or it hasn't worked out for him in many occasions." But actually, he's done a lot of good, which is possibly gone unnoticed by a lot of people because they're so used to seeing him do miracle things basically yeah. Yeah. Um, performing miracles so for me I, I would not I don't think he's had the worst of seasons I think he's massively underperformed from what he did last year but then again so have a lot of players um, while still reaching half decent levels um, so you have to have a question mark over him the defence like we've said there's a lot of rebuilding that he's doing one of the main reasons is because this team has been together for so long it's basically been brought together from mid-table in the championship, mm-hmm. the core of it, and it reaches a certain point where it needs to evolve, it needs to change because players either have been at Leicester for so long where they are going to retirement age or they're going to move on to pastures new because they've done everything that they can at the club, Alash Michael. Um, so it's going to be interesting, but they need to get it right because if they don't, they are going to be bang in trouble. Now, one thing that happened, Rob, when the players came out... Uh, actually, no, it wasn't when the players came out. It was at half-time when uh, I think Mark Selby came out and I think a few... God, so half-time? I can't remember actually when it was. But anyway, Susan Whelan came out, uh, the chairman came out and all that, but also John Rudkin came out. Now, mm. there was a number of boos, quite audible boos around the ground. Really? Now, for me... Am I the only one who think it's slightly unfair? Because the recruitment process last year was not great, as we all know. But in my opinion, Slomani has been on the radar for a long time. Yeah. The Walsh radar. Okay. Yeah. Musa has been on the Walsh, Walsh radar for a long time. Yeah. Okay. Mendy has especially been on the Walsh radar for a long time. So there's three players who are in the little black book. Now, if Walsh stayed, we could have easily signed all three. And I think we would have signed them quicker I think, I think we, that's one of the gripes and the other person that we've signed is Ndidi who's an undoubted uh, success but he was okay. the only signing in January yes he was the only signing in January well, but you, unless you count Malawagi Malawagi who, who played okay for an hour and then broke his shoulder or whatever but for me I'd still want 
I'd rather a team not sign anyone than spend a lot of money on just random people to help out. Turns out we didn't need people at, at Christmas because we got away with it in the league sense. Yeah. Okay. But if you look at the signings overall, it's not that any of them been plucked out of out of left centre. You know what I mean? Out of completely over there that that no one had ever heard of that we're not mm. being linked with. The only person who we were was Ndidi, and he's been good. So for me. You could argue the only Rudkin signing that we've made has been Mola Wagyu, who basically, I think actually was linked with the club a, a while before that, who was injured on his debut, and Wilfred Ndidi, who was a success. Yeah. The other three, who you have to label as been disappointing, no doubt about it, they probably would have been signed anyway under Walsh. So should we actually give Rudkin, is he just an easy target? I think so. I think no, well, very few Leicester fans know even 1% of John Rudkin's actual job. That includes me. I've got no idea what a director of football does. No, I don't. So, so to, 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 to boo him, to state that he's doing his job so badly, when, you, when we both admit that we know a tiny, tiny percentage of what he actually does, I think is silly. I think he's a scapegoat. I think... Steve Walsh did such a brilliant job that anybody else who came in, regardless of whether it was their transfers or the transfer was made while he was director of football, then there was always going to be extra scrutiny. The players haven't settled in this season, whether that's because of the way that we played. If those players had been brought in last summer, i.e. the summer before the season that we won the Premier League title, and John Rudkin was the director of football, would you be heralding him as the, the amazing um, director of football, no, you'd be still heralding Claudio Ranieri saying, bloody hell, we just won the Premier League. So the director of... How, how does he win? But but I think there's a there's an underlying uh, element of mistrust maybe with the fans as to how did John Rudkin get there? How has he wheedled his way up there? Some so, some sections of supporters thinking, well, he's he's gone up from director of the academy, then that position became available, he's seen rubbing shoulders with the owners, all of a sudden he's doing a job that he's never done before. It's, uh, is there a question there? Do people do people not fully trust him? He's not really in the public eye, so nobody really knows him, do they? You know, you feel like you know a little bit about Ranieri, you feel like you know a bit about Craig Shakespeare, you feel like you know a bit about the players. Rudkin just does whatever he does behind the scenes... So nobody knows him as a person, nobody knows him as a professional, and I think he is a, he is a bit of a scapegoat, yeah. Yeah, I do I do as well. I think he's obviously got a big job on his hands this summer, like I mentioned, but... Uh, just, yeah, well, the key is get it done quickly. I know it's hard in this day and age because the fees are going so, so high, and the negotiations take a lot longer. It's no longer, I want this player, how much, is, how much do you want for him? And they go, right, it's worth this much, and we go, right, there's this much, cheers, shake hands, job done. It's dragged over weeks. Bidding wars start, all that kind of thing. Player recruitment's hard, the, the hardest I think it's ever been, despite the fact that all clubs have got the necessary money to sign the players that they want these days. So if I said to you, um, name a player. In fact, I'll say this now, but you can answer it at the end. Name one player who, um, Leicester, who you want Leicester to sign. And the one player that you want Leicester to sign in the summer, who would it be? You don't have to answer now. We'll do it at the end if you want. What we'll do mention is the new shirts, which is just over there, by the way. Yeah. What do you reckon? About? I, I can see it. It's uh, it's nice. 
I, I don't mind it. It's all, I mean, I've, I've gone and bought it, but the, um, the, the stripes are stripy. Things are all right. The shoulder pads are a little bit weird. I, I don't it mind. It doesn't it at have all. the Champions League, but uh, the Champions Premier League Champions badge on it anymore. No, that's the that's problem, sad. really. I mean, I do, I do like the current shirt or the shirt from. Well, it's not the current now because this is, but um, I do like. The one from last season, the season we just had. Mm. I, I do. I think that's a very solid Leicester shirt. I saw a Leicester post on Instagram, uh, uh, the actual official Leicester Instagram with just the. the oh, here's the, the goals gold. on on Sky Sports News now. The first goal was a bit of a mess. They just took us. This is the Bournemouth, Bournemouth game. Yeah, the way. Bournemouth game. Stanislas, who uh, had about five. Well, he must have had seven free kicks that hit the wall. <laughs> Every single free kick, it's going to hit the wall. It's going to hit the wall. And this is the goal. Chill well to the far stick. Good header back by uh, Slomani and then prodded in by uh, Vardy. Uh, to be honest, I thought that might have been offside. Now here's the goal that was choked off. Oh, they're not going to show it. God damn. But no, it's, 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 a, good, yeah, it's a good um, shirt. It's, yeah, a, it's no, a decent shirt. There was, a, there was an Instagram picture it made me a little bit, not not sad, but it was a bit sentimental. It was just a picture of the Premier League Champions 15-16 badge you know, that's on the sleeves. And it said, uh, just said underneath it, one last time. <laughs> oh dear! Yeah, like one last the, outing of the badge. There's been loads of that. There's been. I mean, I. Um, it's nice, isn't it? I was. Uh, I was in a. Um, a WhatsApp group with a load of mates, and it was as the Chelsea players were getting their medals, and I claimed that we were still champions until they lift the trophy. So I was going, still champions, still champions, still, <laughs> still, still. Damn, damn. You know when when they lifted it. But well, uh, Lineker said on match of the day last night, he got to introduce Leicester as reigning champions one last time. Yeah, well, it's true. I mean, uh, also, we have to mention the pitch. Now, obviously, from next season, the pitch has to be uh, just the straight lines because the linesmen have uh, complained. And Have they really? Yeah, yeah, and basically that's... So what's... you're so they're trusting the groundsmen to draw a completely straight line across the pitch? Well, possibly. Uh, but the, um, the, grounds, the linesmen are trusting the groundsmen to draw a straight line? They, they said it helps. I think a lot of the circles... And we've had circles on occasion. I know we had it at the weekend... But they still have the lines across the pitch. I think Southampton, they're cool, uh, they have a nice pitch, but they, they do the circles coming out from the centre circle an awful lot. Mm. Um, and I think that's one of the main reasons. But That's going to be boring. That's it always is, a yeah. thing to look forward to pre And our, our ground's fantastic. The pitch is superb. The people who do the pitch, the ground's been, what a team. Unbelievable. The be- best team in the Premier League. Easy, yeah. easy. Yeah. And uh, and the logo that they did, the, the Leicester logo, it was superb. It, the the pictures of it beforehand looked brilliant, but in real life, it was fantastic. So hats off to them. It's a shame we won't have them. Um, so like I said, we're going to uh, hopefully by the time we do the next podcast, we will have a confirmed manager. That would be the ideal situation. We want it really done this week. Yeah, we're planning on doing a podcast in about a week's time. Yeah. So I'd like to think that we'll have a manager by then. I don't think anything will be announced, uh, any major news regarding the club or signings or anything like that. I think that's really for June. Yeah. That's when, when June kicks in. I think it's still too close. to. Obviously, you've got the FA Cup final, etc. Um, I think the only news that we'll be hearing in the next few weeks will be regarding the manager's job in terms of Craig Shakespeare. Because I think if they turn around and say Shakespeare's not having the job... I don't think they'll announce the new manager straight away. No. So hopefully we'll be back in a week's time with a full review of the season. And uh, like I said uh, at the start of the show, if you do have any thoughts or any views regarding the season, 
which indeed you will. Highlights, lowlights, funny moments, loads of bits and bobs. We'll be putting it all together for the next episode. Then you can get in contact with us many ways. Uh, Twitter, at FFSpod. And uh, also give a retweet if you're on Twitter for the podcast. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for for Fox 8 Podcast on Facebook and you can find us through there. And you can email the show for Fox 8 Podcast at gmail.com and that will come straight through to us. Uh, any thoughts on the season, your favourite goal, your favourite moments, highlight, funny moments, anything to do with the season, uh, or your thoughts overall, and we can read them out on our next show. Now, I asked you the question, Rob, uh, name one player who you want Leicester to sign in the window, in the transfer window. Now, obviously, you've had about nine minutes to think about this. Yeah, but most of the time you've been whittering on in my ear. I can't think when you're doing that. Well, off the top of your head. Who would be the person that you, right now, would realistically like Leicester to sign? It's a tough one. Um, I think this decision is based on the fact that I like this player, both in terms of their ability and their mentality and what they could contribute to the club over a period of somewhere near a decade. Uh, I think they could become a club legend and a future club captain Christ alive I don't know who this is going in Michael Keane Michael Keane yeah all oh, right that's interesting I, I think, think, I think I he's think... going Man U though isn't he well, back to Man U yeah I think he's going back to Man U well if it's an option I hope they okay so you say Michael uh, Keane we've seen him at the King Power but I thought my, he was my... good when he was a youngster yeah I mean I my, he's my very question, good now my question was who would you like to sign so there you go Michael Keane go on then who would you like to sign Gilfie Sigurdsson straight away Give it, pay the money, twenty-five mil, whatever. Pay the money. You've got goals. You've got guile. You've got free kicks. You've got a good person, i.e., would integrate with the team. He is quality as a number ten behind Vardy. It's the perfect place for him. I think he's an absolute bang-on ideal signing. Give him the hundred grand a week. Um, pay the money to get him. You're getting someone who will do well in the Premier League because he's done it for a number of years. He's still. A I think he's only about 27 or 28 so you're buying a player at the peak of their powers for me I would arguably pay in these modern times you'd pay up to 30 million for him yeah yeah I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't disagree with he, that. he to me fits slot straight into that team perfectly 